We are knee-deep in earnings season. In fact, I don't know if they're even quite halfway through earnings season. And so far, so good, although there have been some exceptions. We've also got a stock market that seems to have just remarkable momentum. So how long does this stay? What about the earnings? Pat O'Hare knows. He's the chief market analyst for briefing.com and joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Hi, David. Great to be back with you. Thank you. So we had about a, almost, a, what, a third of the S&P last week. I guess we are a little less than halfway through, aren't we? Actually, a little bit more. Um, as of last Friday, we we're just uh, at about 56% of the S&P 500 has, really? uh, re- yep, has reported their results. And uh, the, uh, the vast majority, 85%, percent uh have actually exceeded the or excuse me 82 percent have beaten the uh, consensus earnings estimates so what's the feeling is corporate america really doing that well or is are the analysts still setting the bar pretty low because of covid and uncertainty right all of the above um (laughs) you know (laughs) corporate america is definitely still doing that well which is really remarkable when you you know you take into account what we've been hearing you know repeatedly here about all of the supply chain uh, issues, the transportation bottlenecks, uh, the uh, difficulty finding people to work, uh, and yet uh, corporate America has has managed its way through it very effectively here, as as evidenced by the third quarter reports that uh, show um, some pretty healthy net profit margins uh, and also some uh, better than expected earnings results themselves. Uh, third quarter blended growth rate tracking about 36.6 percent, according to FactSet. Uh, at the end of September, that was at 27.4%. Uh, and in turn, you're seeing revenue growth check in at 15.8%, uh, which is above the 14.9% estimate uh, that was seen on September 30th. And so, yeah, you're definitely uh, seeing some good stuff here. And of course, um, you know, we are still coming off of the uh, recovery period in the, uh, you know, 2020, which certainly helps things along here, but clearly a lot of operating leverage still. But, you know, sometimes you have some bellwether stocks. And last week when we had disappointing numbers, I mean, really disappointing numbers out of Amazon and, and to some great extent out of Apple, too, I really thought that would take its toll on the rest of the market. It, it was uh, telling, frankly, um, that, you know, the market, we saw the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 all hit uh, record closing highs on Friday, despite the weakness in Apple and Amazon. But uh, I think there's been an allowance for the uh, idea that uh, those two companies in particular obviously had some extremely challenging comparisons. Uh, and even though the numbers didn't necessarily live up to the heightened expectations, uh, the growth overall is still pretty darn good for both of those companies. And especially, you know, I think the market's willing to give Amazon a little bit of a hall pass here, just given how much that company benefited uh, from online demand during the depths of the pandemic. Uh, And then Apple clearly still talking about uh, the fact that they're going to still see some really strong revenue growth or or expect to in the fourth quarter. But I, you know, I think we both know if the market was looking for an excuse to sell off, that one, either one of those, and certainly both, would have been a great excuse to sell off. This market doesn't want to sell off. The momentum seems to be just monstrous. I, I don't disagree with that at all, David. I think you're right. I mean, if, it, it certainly was an excuse to for the market to backtrack here. There's a lot of underlying momentum. There's a recognition that there's still a lot of cash 
on the sidelines. Uh, and there's an understanding that this is typically a seasonally strong period for the market. And, uh, and the, it appears as if market participants are basically adhering to that adage that, you know, the trend is your friend until it isn't. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're going to ride it for kind of all it's worth right now. And they have the backing of persistently low interest rates and generally constructive commentary about the end demand situation. Right. So we're even though we're hearing all of these uh, issues with input costs, rising input costs, what we're seeing, on you know, inflation pressures all around, you're still seeing companies being able to pass through. Uh, price increases to help offset those costs. And they're able to do that because end demand has remained strong. And that's been a placating factor here. We keep seeing signs, though, and I, I and, and they're not being heated. Uh, Monday, construction spending, uh, weakest in almost a year. And uh, it was a negative number. And manufac- the manufacturing index was really weak and the weakest in, I think, over a year. Um, it looks like maybe what we get a rolling correct market and goes over into another. Well, that's right. And then if we just take the ISM manufacturing index for October as a case in point, right, it came in at 60.8% down from 61.1% in September. Uh, it was the 17th consecutive month of expansion. A number above 50 is indicative of yeah. expanding activity. So it just indicates that it was a little bit slower than what we saw in September. You're still seeing really good uh, decent growth, uh, we'll say, right? And so that's what the market's going to have to adjust to as it moves into 2022 is the idea that uh, you're likely to still see growth. It's just at slower rates. And it's just a question of how much, uh, you know, how much good news has been priced in right now. Uh, but there's still, uh, I guess, an allowance for uh, the understanding that the fundamental picture still looks pretty good in the sense that you're going to continue to see earnings growth. Uh, and interest rates have yet to really act up in a really nasty way, and that's providing a foundation here to uh, what we've seen uh, turn into some multiple expansion here during the third quarter reporting period. Yeah, I mean, with interest rates, there's nothing else to do with money, and so it <laughs> defaults back to the stock market. So this is the week's young here. Um, what have we got ahead? We've got a Federal Reserve Open Market Committee, OPEC's going to meet, and I guess a fistful of earnings. What am I missing? Well, that's right. And then, of course, you have the employment situation report for October on Friday. Um, It'll be really interesting this week because you not only have the Fed meeting on Wednesday, you have the Reserve Bank of Australia meeting on Tuesday and then the Bank of England on Thursday. And those three banks uh, in one shape, one way, shape, form or another are going to essentially – indicate that they're they're distancing themselves from their ultra accommodative policies. Uh, they may not do that necessarily with interest rate hikes. So the FOMC is certainly not going to raise interest rates at this meeting, but they will do. They will offer some uh, commentary that should be a telltale sign to the market that uh, the easiest of easy monetary policy days for these respective central banks are in the rearview mirror now. And that's an adjustment factor that the market's going to have to continue to contend with, not only through the end of the year here, but certainly throughout 2022. You know, the market's had this carrot dangling at the end of a stick for a long time in the form of an infrastructure bill. And it look it keeps looking like we're getting closer and closer and closer. But then, then Monday afternoon, I, I saw a quote from Joe Manchin. He said, well, you know, it, he really didn't see anything that he could support. You go back to square one. Do we get a, another bounce if if we get an infrastructure bill? And, and by the same token, in the event that we don't, do we sell off? <laughs> it is it is a great question. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of uh, 
uh, loose ends that have yet to be tied up on this infrastructure bill. And uh, the market sits at a record high. Um, I think that the market still is uh, accepting the idea that we will get something. Uh, uh, otherwise, it would be really uh, probably a, a politically damaging, even you know, more so for the Democrats as we move into the midterm elections, if none of this agenda gets passed. So I think the market's allowing for that possibility, but it's an ugly process. And in terms of what Senator Manchin, you know, was saying, I don't think it's necessarily uh, too much to ask as he's asking just to have the details about how this is really going right. to work out. You know, um, it seems like it was railroaded in a way in front of uh, President Biden's appearance at the G20 and uh, the COP26 conference this week to at least leave the United States with a, a quote, framework in place that uh, looked as if it was something people could could rally around. But obviously, given the commentary on uh, the progressive side and the moderate side of the Democratic Party, they still have not reached a, uh, a you know, an agreement here. And um, and it's it's likely to take some time here. And it is ugly. It's like it's like they say about sausage, you know. If you really enjoy sausage, you should never see how it's made. <laughs> Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true with legislation. Yes, but unfortunately, we're all seeing it right out in the open here. And it is, and it <laughs> it's is, not pretty. It is not pretty at all. Patrick J. O'Hare is the chief market analyst for Briefing.com. We always enjoy our conversations. Thank you for the time. Thank you, David. Thanks. For more of our conversation with Mr. O'Hare, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.